Welcome to this podcast featuring well-known Bible teacher, Kevin Connor. For more information, visit kevinconnor.org. And we need to look at uh, one, yeah, one, two, three, four, five kings tonight. Think we're going to do it? Well, one of them only reigns seven days. King for seven days. <laughs> okay, pick up your sheet over there if you, as you're coming in here. All right, so what I want you to do, what we're going to do, I've put the answers on the overhead, and first of all, we're going to move through some of these kings reasonably quickly with the answers, and then at the end I'm going to bring together uh, what I believe would be, let's see, two, at least two, two or three major lessons that we learn out of all this. So first of all, we'll start off with uh, turning to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 9. 2 Kings chapter 9. And uh, we'll just read, yeah, we'll read verse, uh, let's see, just trying to think which will be the, yeah, so I'll read verse, uh, verses 8 and 9, but I'll read it from the King, a New King James, just because the Old King James has a word that we don't quite use in public. Okay? All right, so New King James, 2 Kings 9, 9, 9, uh, 9 8 and 9, pardon me. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free, so I'll make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. So three things I want you to note there, particularly the word house. The house of Ahab, the all, the, so many H's in here, I have to drop my H's, Harry. Uh, so the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I'll make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, and like the house of Baasha. So we have the house of Ahab, the house of uh, Jeroboam, and the house of uh, Baasha. Or Baasha we'll call him, okay? All right, now, as you'll see on the sheet that I've given you tonight, I want you to particularly pick up this whole thought here. The house of Jeroboam, the house of Baasha, and the house of Zimri. And I want you to turn over to our first lesson, and then we'll move into our, uh, our overhead. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33. Proverbs chapter 3, and verse 33. And this would be the first major lesson I want you to pick up as we sort of work through these kings tonight. Okay, Proverbs 3, and verse 33. And it says, The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesses the habitation of the just. The New King James says, The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Okay, if you've got a bit of room there, just, a, uh, just uh, maybe just sort of draw, draw a little illustration here. We have two houses. And we have the house of the wicked. And the Lord says, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Now, as we go through these, just in a brief outline, house of Jeroboam, house of Basha, house of Ahab, we won't get to Ahab tonight, of course, but three houses that I put in your sheet there, we'll find that the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. But 
On the other side, we have the house of the righteous, another house here. And the lessons for all of us are clear, you know, clear here. What sort of a house do we want to have generation after generation? So the, the uh, house of, 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 pardon me, talking too fast here. The blessing of the Lord is in the house of the just or the righteous. So we'll just put righteous here. So everybody's in one house or the other. We, you know, everybody's building a house today. So the, uh, the judgment here is God said, I'm going to make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam and like the house of Basha. So we want to look at their house and see what happened there before we uh, uh, draw some lessons on it. Okay, so we're going to move through what I want you to do. I'll verbalize some things from the scripture but I've taken the material there and put it in so you can put your fill in here. Let's start with the house of Jeroboam. And if you can write down your answers as we go through, I'll just talk. So if you can write and listen at the same time, the material is here. All right, now I'm going to sort of tell it to you in story form here. We've been through Jeroboam and how every king in Israel, the house of Israel, and the bad, bad guys in the, in the house of Judah, how they followed in the sins of Jeroboam. And we saw what the sins of Jeroboam were. Now, on the, on the notes, I've given you the scriptures here, so you don't have to worry about taking down the scriptures. You read the chapters. All right, now, what we find is that Jeroboam comes along and God sends a prophet to him, and the prophet rebukes him for what he's done and for the sins that he's introduced into the nation of Israel. And so what does he do? Jeroboam stretches forth his arm to arrest the prophet, as, as Jeroboam is offering incense at the counterfeit altar, as we've seen before, remember he set up a counterfeit feast, counterfeit altar, counterfeit worship, counterfeit priesthood. Everything was counterfeit. And it became a snare to the, all the kings of Israel. So as he stretched out his hand to arrest the man of God, all of a sudden his hand became paralyzed. So it was a judgment of God on his, his arm was paralyzed and then he prayed to the prophet. He said, oh prophet, you asked the Lord to restore my arm. But his arm was paralyzed for some time and he couldn't arrest the prophet. And then uh, his arm was restored after the prophet prayed. So these are judgments. Now remember what we're following our theme here. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. And Jeroboam's a wicked king and he sets a pattern uh, for generation after generation and all the different uh, houses that came in the, in the royal kings of, uh, of the line of, of Israel particularly. All right, the second thing here, I'd like you to turn to your Bible on this and uh, uh, you know, I, I just have to throw a lot of things at you tonight. This may answer a question, what about children who have ungodly parents? Now you listen to this peculiar thing because I personally believe, and I think I have some uh, scriptural foundation for this, I personally believe that children under the age of understanding, if they die, they go to heaven. They go to be with the Lord. Now you listen to this curly one. Well, it's Bible, it's not curly. Turn, turn to the scripture anyway. 1 Kings chapter 14. So if you can just keep writing and, and look at uh, scripture here and there. 1 Kings 14. Now, in verse 1, at that time Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. So here, Abijah is the son of Jeroboam. Jeroboam's a wicked man and his wife's a wicked woman. So Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise yourself 
that she be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam and get down to Shiloh and I want you to talk to Ahijah, don't get Abijah and Ahijah mixed up, go down to Ahijah the prophet which told me that I should be king over his, this people and take with you, with you a love offering, ten loaves, cracknels, honey and so forth and ask him what's going to become of the child. Now, to abbreviate the story here, Jeroboam's wife goes down and she's disguised. The prophet on the natural does not know it's Jeroboam's wife. But the Lord gives, Jero, uh, gives Ahijah, uh, yeah, Ahijah the prophet a word of knowledge. Let me know, know that God knows everything. So he might pull the wool over my eyes or man's eyes, but not over God's eyes. And so the Lord gives the prophet a word and I said, listen, Jeroboam's wife is coming to see you. She's disguised herself to be another woman. She hasn't got on a royal robe. And what they're coming to inquire about is they've got a sick child. And what's going to happen to the child? They want to know whether the child's going to live or die. So now Jeroboam, come, I mean Jeroboam's wife, Mrs. Jeroboam, comes to the door, knocks on the door, and uh, the prophet says, come in thou wife of Jeroboam. Why are you putting over that you're uh, somebody else, another woman? So... Boom, God knows. And he said to her, okay, the child that you've come to inquire about, the moment you enter the city, that child is going to die. Now, I want, you, I want you to read a verse with me in a moment. So you can guess the shock that it is to Mrs. Jeroboam and how many things she didn't hurry home back to the city because she knew the moment her foot stepped inside the city, the child was going to die. So it was a pretty slow walk. Because as soon as I enter the city, the child's not going to die. Now listen to what God says through the prophet about this child. Okay, go down to verse 12. Arise thou therefore and get thee to thine own house, and when your feet enter into the city, the child shall die. And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he only of Jeroboam shall come to the grave, listen to it if you haven't underlined your Bible, because in him there is found some good thing toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Now what I'm saying is this. His mum and dad were wicked parents and it was the mercy of God to let that child die. Because if that child had been brought up in the house of the wicked, he could have turned out, as we'll see, exactly like the other kids did and followed in the ways of his father. And so we don't always know the answer to this. I sometimes think, you know, little children, why does God let little babies die? My, my first wife and I, we lost a little baby between Mark and, uh, and, and Sharon. I said, well, why, why? Only God knows the future. And sometimes God, because of his foreknowledge, knows the future. What is sad and sorrow and grief to us, in his mercy, he lets a child die because the child goes to be with the Lord. Now, we don't always have pat answers on this, but here is a wicked mum and dad, and it's the mercy of God that let that child die. How many understand what I'm saying here? Suffer little children to come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven, because all the house of Jeroboam were bad. But God said, in this child, there's some good thing of the house of Jeroboam. So God let the child die. Just something to keep in mind, because we don't have pat answers on this, but that's one. Okay, then number three, the prophet rebukes him that he was more evil than all that were before him. He provoked God to answer, uh, to anger, pardon me, provoked God to answer. And the language of the scripture says that Jeroboam actually cast God behind his back. And so what was the result? Keep in mind our text, the curse of the Lord 
is in the house of the wicked. So disaster was to come on his house and all the males were to be cut off. And the Lord said, I'm going to cut off the house of Jeroboam and uh, so severe would the judgment be that all those of the house of Jeroboam, all the males, the seed bearers, remember, heirs to the throne, they would have been. He said, all those that die in the city, the dogs will eat. And all those that die in the field, the birds will eat. So, uh, pretty heavy word, isn't it, eh? But see, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. But he blesses the habitation of the just. One other thing you can add on there if you can. Uh, you'll find that in these chapters I've given you, there was war between Jeroboam and Rehoboam all, the, all his days. So no peace, just continual war. War between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. That's, uh, that's in those scriptures I've given you. Okay, now uh, go down to, let's see. Trying to remember. Yes, okay, let's turn over uh, on to C now. That's those 10 points, first of all, about Jeroboam. Let's turn to Jeroboam's death, 2 Chronicles chapter 13. 2 Chronicles 13 and verse 20b. 2 Chronicles 13 and verse 20b. And I didn't realize this till I was uh, studying this afresh here. So um, here we have further war and conflict in the house of Jeroboam. And it says, uh, Neither did Jeroboam recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him and he died. The Lord smote him, he struck him and he died. So his death was by judgment. So, very clear there. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Nothing good about Jeroboam. Once he departed from the ways of the Lord, the only good thing was God let that child die because in him there was some good thing to the, uh, before the Lord. But he had bad parents. Now let's go down a little bit to Jeroboam's son. Uh, you will find there in the next, uh, next lot down here on your notes, uh, 1 Kings 14 and 20b. First Kings 14 and 20b. You'll find that uh, after the Lord struck Jeroboam, that um, Nadab, his son, reigned in his stead. First uh, Kings 14, verse 20. Yes. And the days which Jeroboam reigned were twenty and two years, and he slept with his fathers, and Nadab, his son, reigned in his stead. Now, what sort of a son do you think this would turn out to be? How many remember the series we did on the third and fourth generation? Everyone is personally responsible to God and accountable to God. So, here's the next one for you to fill in there. Nadab, Jeroboam's son now. Remember this scripture we're using as our base here. The curse of the Lord is, is, is in the house of the wicked. Nadab, number one, his name means generous, noble, and liberal. Now, just one little point here. You'll find a lot of the kings in the Bible, a lot of people in the Bible, as today, a lot of them had good names but lived a bad life. They didn't live up to their names. How many pe uh, people know uh, children by the name of Michael? Oh, better watch it, hadn't I? Okay, how many know what Michael means? It means who is like God or godlike. How many know that some of the Michaels that we have around the place are anything but godlike? and need the laying of hands further down. How many know that? So you can have a good name and a bad life. Some people had a bad name but had a good life. Eh? 
but that's what this guy's name was. All right, number two, he took the throne of Jeroboam, of his father, and his reign is very short-lived. He reigns two whole years, King Tut, or King Nadab, for two years. And what's the record in the scripture I've given you on your notes there? Number four, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Number five, he walked in the ways of his father. Number six, he followed in the sins of Jeroboam. And what's the end result? Remember this, the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. So it's been in the house of Jeroboam. This is the house of Jeroboam. And so what happened? Basha, or Baasha, headed a conspiracy and uh, Nadab was assassinated. And what did he do? When Basha took the throne, he slew all the house of Jeroboam, all the kids, all the sons, all the daughters. He just slew all the seed of the house of Jeroboam and finished of his house. That was the end of Jeroboam. No more offspring, dead. So, curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. And that's certainly so. He died by assassination. And uh, Basha, Baasha, he slew all the house of Jeroboam, and that was the end of the house of Jeroboam. Now remember the scripture we looked at at the beginning, 2 Kings 9, 9. God says to Ahab later on, I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam. In other words, finish the house, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah. Okay, everybody got those answers down? How many have not got those answers down? All right, right both hands. I do all these kings tonight. But uh, remember what we said in our series on the generations, that every individual is responsible and accountable to the Lord. And Nadab, if he could have, could have or would have learned, he could have said like Ezekiel 33 says, okay, this son learns uh, the way from his father. He said, I'm not going to go way, the way my father has. I'm going to turn from the evil ways that my father walked in and I'm going to walk in the ways of the Lord. But he didn't, so he didn't learn. Okay, let's go to the next one. I'll, I'll put these back up later on if uh, we're moving too fast, but the clock moves fast. All right, the next house we're looking at here is the house of uh, Asher. What's that? Okay, sorry. Yes, the house of uh, Asher. And uh, you'll notice the lines you've got to fill in there. And again, this is a wicked guy, another wicked king, and we find the curse of the Lord goes through his house. So under his reign, which you've got the scriptures, his name, first of all, means wickedness, offensive, and the stink. What's your name? Oh, I'm the stinker around this place, you skunk. Uh, so what a name. And he, but the thing is, this guy lived up to it. <laughs> And number two, he usurped the throne of Israel, so he, he assassinated the previous king, uh, Jeroboam's son. And that was the judgment of God, but as we'll see later on when we uh, bring this to uh, you know, practical lessons. But he reigned 24 years. So a uh, usurped the throne of Israel, reigned 24 years. Under B, on your notes there, it has a list of the wars. Nothing but conflict. And see, these bad kings, they didn't have peace in their reign. God allowed wars to come. And you know, there's so many lessons you can apply to our history, 
Why does God allow the First World War, the Second World War? Why do you allow Britain and America to get into these things? God uses wars, as much as we hate them, to bring judgment on nations. But when nations are serving the Lord, basically, God allows peace. Huh? But the nation that forgets God, God is angry with the wicked every day. And he says, the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. See, so, you know, think of our nations that have forsaken God in the Western world, living in a post-Christian era, some people are saying. All right, his wars, then undersee his sins. Number one, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. It's just a broken record as they go through on these bad guys. Number two, he walked in the ways of Jeroboam. Number three, in the sins where he made Israel to sin. So the house of Israel made the sin. And then number four, same language, he provoked God to anger. Yeah, so when you read these scriptures like, okay, I'm going to make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam and like the house of Baasha. Okay, what I did to their house, I wiped them out. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. These were wicked rulers. And, uh, you know, without mentioning names today, I, I feel frightened for some of our politicians. Uh, can they expect the blessing of the Lord when they bring in homosexuality and lesbianism and abortion and euthanasia? They've got rumbling underneath to kill us, off, us old people up. You know, I mean. Thank you, Brother Kevin. That's an excellent point. All right, go down to D now. All right, we have a list of the divine prophetic judgments God sends along. And remember, I think Mark touched on this, that nearly all the kings had a prophet sent to them. And every king was judged on his attitude. Two things I want you to pick up on this point here. Uh, every king was judged by his attitude to the prophetic or the prophet that was sent to him. That was number one. And number two, every king was judged on their attitude to the house of the Lord or the temple of God. Now that's interesting. Every king was judged on their attitude to the prophet who represents the word of the Lord, the scriptures, the word of God, thus saith the Lord, and also their attitude to the house of the Lord, the temple of God. The word of God, the house of God. Every king was judged on their attitude there. All right, so God sent a prophet to Baasha, and number one, he said, I exalted you out of the dust. You were just a nobody, but I exalted you out of the dust. Number two, I made you prince over Israel. Number three, but what have you done? You've walked in the ways of Jeroboam, who made Israel to sin. Number four, I am going to utterly sweep away the house of Baasha, as I swept away the house of Jeroboam. You see how God emphasizes the house. The house there. See, so utterly sweep away the house of Baasha as Jeroboam's. And same judgment, as I said on Jeroboam, those that die in the city, the dogs are going to eat. In other words, no decent burial. And those that die in the fields, the birds are going to eat. No decent burial. And in this case, this man died a natural death but the sad part is he died in his sins and he's going to end up in hell. Okay, so he died a natural death. God let him reign for 24 years, but he died in his sins. 
All right, now we go down to the next one in his house. So the house of Baasha, and he has a son down the bottom here whose name is Elah. And you've got this on your notes under E. And I'll put the appropriate scriptures, but put them in the order of what uh, you're taking down on your notes here. So Baasha's son, uh, Elah, his name means curse and imprecation. We think of the imprecatory psalms or the cursory psalms, psalms that utter curses on the, on the wicked. So, uh, you know, his father, and son, uh, his father and son had wonderful names, didn't they? Wickedness, offensive, the stink, and curse, imprecation. How many would like to have a name like that? I'd rather change it to Kevin, wouldn't you? <laughs> All right, number two, uh, accession to the throne of his father. So he took over the throne of his father Baasha, and he only reigns two years. So uh, Nadab only reigned two years, and uh, Elah only reigned two years. I want you to go to the scripture on this one. Number four, he was a drinker, a drunken sot. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 16. 1 Kings chapter 16. I want, to listen, I want you to listen to this scripture. 1 Kings 16. Pretty gruesome history these guys have. 1 Kings 16. And we'll pick up in, let's see, uh, yes, verse 8 we'll pick up. In the twenty and sixth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Elah, the son of Baasha, to reign over Israel and Terz with two years. And what happened to him? His servant Zimri, captain of, of half his chariots, conspired against him as he was in Tersia, drinking himself drunk in the house of Arza, steward of his house in Tersia. And Zimri went in and smote him, killed him in the 20 and 7th year of Asia, king of Judah, and reigned instead. And it came to pass when he began to reign, as soon as he sat on his throne, that he slew all the house of Basha. And reading from the New King James, just to make it a little bit more refined, he did not leave him one male, neither of his relatives nor of his friends. Thus did Zimri destroy all the house of Baasha, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke against Baasha by Jehu the prophet. For all the sins of Baasha and the sins of Elu's son, by which they had sinned and by which... Uh, they made Israel to sin in provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their vanities. Now the rest of the acts of Elah and all that he did, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So, all right, so he's a drinker, drinking himself drunk, and so he's assassinated. I mean, you know, it's, how many think this is, how many have ever studied uh, British uh, Israel or British history? We have an interesting history on the thrones of Scotland, Ireland, and England, and some of the houses. Drinking himself drunk. So he's assassinated by Zimri, who killed all the males, the kinsfolk, and the friends of Elah, so there'd be no rival to the throne. Kill him. You've got no threat then. And all this was fulfillment of the prophetic word of Jehu, of the prophet Jehu, not the king Jehu, but the prophet. But remember what's happening, the curse of the Lord. So curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. How are we doing? Marvellous. All right, now let's go to the last guy. And he doesn't last long. 
he's king for seven days. How would you like to be king for seven days? King Tut. Zimri, or Zimri. Okay, your third line there. His reign, and I've given you the scriptures there. His name means wild, where are we? Wild sheep or goat. You goat, you wild sheep. Number two, accession to the throne by usurpation. So you'll notice the record of these guys. So Zimri killed all the other guys. He killed Elah and slaughtered all his sons, all his, uh, all his sons, all his kinsfolk, all his friends to make sure there'd be no threat to the throne. So that's what Zimri got into. Number two, or number three here, uh, treason, okay, number two, accession to the throne by usurp usurpation and treason. Uh, number three, he reigns seven days. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I was king for seven days. And what did he do? He's a murderous ruler too. He slaughtered all the house of Baasha, so a very murderous ruler. And uh, he was in Terza, and he's besieged by Omri, who now the people, once they saw that uh, Zimri had taken the throne, the people get hold of Omri and they make him king of Israel. And so Omri comes to Terza, and uh, what happened? This guy, as soon as he hears that he's surrounded by Omri and the armies there, he went into the king's palace and uh, he committed suicide. Hurry, hurry, he burned himself to death. Set, set the place on fire and died by suicide. How, how many can see that these houses are just filled with blessing? <laughs> just curse. The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. So, you know, the only way any of these guys could have come out was responded to the prophet because pretty well each of them had a prophet sent to them and said, repent of and God will bless you. But they ignored it. So, is, is, is truth eternal, folks? See, truth is eternal. What was truth then is truth now. Truth is truth in every generation. So is this still true today? It's still true today. So people sometimes, you know, in a, in a godless society, they say, why is everything going wrong in my house? I have nothing but problem in my house. Say, so, okay, this would be a good scripture. So, well, look, do you want blessing? Or do you want cursing? The blessing of the Lord is in the house of the righteous, the home of the just, the habitation of the just. But the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. So if you want God to bless your house and your offspring, then you need to respond to the word of God and get into God's house. Let's turn over to... Um, oh, I'll just finish on this part here. All right, B, his sins, I mean... He only reigned seven days, but uh, we don't have too much else about him. But number one, doing evil against the Lord. And number two, he walked in the ways of Jeroboam. And number three, he followed in Jeroboam's sins who made Israel to sin. All right, now, just for our last few moments, I want to give you some uh, lessons that we can all learn out of this. Let's first of all... So has everybody got those answers down? Ask your question. All right. Okay, let's turn over to some practical lessons as we uh, bring, bring this sort of to a conclusion. So you'll notice 
Uh, Jeroboam was smitten by the Lord. The Lord struck him that he died. Nadab, he died by assassination. But Asher died a natural death, but died in his sins. Elah died uh, by assassination. Zimri, he, he burned himself to death. He committed suicide. So, you know, lovely lot of kings of Israel, aren't they? Okay, let's get some practical lessons out of it before we finish. Now, turn over Deuteronomy 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. And remember what uh, we quote uh, from time to time, Paul referring to Old Testament examples from Israel's history. He says, All these things happen unto them, for types and examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age are come. So these things, you know, they're written for our admonition because I want the blessing of the Lord in my house. And uh, I have experienced the blessing of the Lord in my house with my kids, with my two wives, one at a time, remember. Uh, God's just blessed me and blessed my house over all these years. From when I was a kid of 14 years of age, and accepted Christ as my Lord and Saviour in the Salvation Army, I've just had blessing, blessing. Oh, I've had my trials and testings and everything like that, but I've had the blessing of the Lord in my house. Right? And as I told you that Sunday when I shared, I began a new generation. Mark's second generation, his kidlets are the third generation. And the, the blessing of the Lord, see the Lord visits the iniquities of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of what? Finish it. Remember? Of them that hate him. How many remember when we... Did we share on that here? Did it somewhere? But showing mercy to thousands of them that love him. So any of us can begin a new generation. doesn't matter what our past generation... I don't have to go up my family tree like a lot of preachers are trying to get people to do. Just cut that tree off be grafted into Christ. You begin a new tree, a new generation. I'm, I'm a testimony to that. All right, Deuteronomy 30, before our time's up. Um, and verse 14, put down on your notes verse 14, uh, verse 15, I'm sorry, verse 15 to 20. And you can just sort of put it on these two houses. So, Lord talking to Israel, he says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. You could put those under there. See, I've, I've set before you life and good. And over on this side, death and evil. See, those things belong in either house. So I've set before you this day life and good. Life goes with good. Death goes with evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his judgments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God shall bless thee in the land, whether you go to possess it. But if your heart turn away, so you will not hear, but you will be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, and that's exactly what these kings did, I denounce unto you this day, you shall surely perish, and you'll not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passeth over Jordan to go to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I've set before you life and death, Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose. Choose what? Life. That both you 
and your seed shall live. Those kings failed. Okay, let's turn over now to Proverbs. Proverbs. And those of you who are uh, involved in leadership here or voluntary committed members, I think you know the standard of our church here. And I know some churches say, well, Kevin Conan Waverley Christian Fellowship is legalistic. That's fine. I don't care what they say. We'll try and stick to the Bible. Amen. When it comes to drinking or social drinking, we totally discourage it because we believe the Bible is against it. Listen to this now in the light of what we just have read. So Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1, uh, verse one I think it is. Yeah, Proverbs 20 verse 1. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, is a brawler, the New King James says, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Then go down to verse, uh, chapter uh, 20, uh, 23, Proverbs 23. Here's the king drinking himself drunk, and he's drinking drunken state. What evils have come out of drinking? So Proverbs 23 and listen to verse 29. Six questions. Who hath woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has babbling? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of the eyes? Answer. Those that tarry long at the wine, they, they that go to seek mixed wine. Warning. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red when it gives his colour in the cup, when it moves itself aright. And listen to the end result. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder. Let's drink. Now listen to this scripture. Proverbs 31 and verse 4. And if only, only this king who'd been assassinated and drunk himself, drinking himself drunk and assassinated, if only he'd read Proverbs written by Solomon, he might have learned something. Verse 4, Proverbs 31, verse 4, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Why? Lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to perish, ready to die, and wine to those that be heavy heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty. Remember his misery no more, but it's not for kings to drink, lest they forget the law. All right, last scripture here. Uh, put this down because our time's up. Uh, Exodus, or two or three scriptures on this. Exodus 20, verse 13. Exodus 20, verse 13. You needn't go uh, turn to it. You shall not kill, you shall not murder. One of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 13. Genesis 9, verse 6. Whosoever sheds man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. In other words, the death penalty was for murder. Now see, 
How many of us here, mate, don't put up your hand, I won't embarrass you, but how many of us believe that the death penalty should still be in vogue? Say, I do. Huh? It's still the law of God. And Britain, Australia, and the Western nations that have tossed out God's law, the murder increase has gone zoom, like that. And now they're talking about we need to bring it back in. So, well, if you just stick to the Bible... So, well, God is love. I tell you what, do you know what the Bible, see the death penalty, you know what the Bible says about murderers? All murderers, unless they repent, are going to end up in the lake of fire, which is the second death. Did you know that the lake of fire is the eternal death penalty? And God's going to execute it. So, okay, a couple other scriptures at times. Exodus 21, verse 12. He that strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. Exodus 21, verse 12. And then, listen to this one. Numbers 35, verses 30 to 34. Numbers 35, verse 30 to 34. You'll find there, it's the laws concerning murder, and that when a, mur a person murders another person, it says, blood defiles the land and the only way the land can be cleansed of blood is by the blood of him that shed it now you think what's happening in our own nation the, the thousands at least 80 to 90,000 abortions a year in Australia and the cry of innocent blood let alone every night on television and remember we're on a TV fast this week everybody said amen 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 uh, how many murders and stabbings and killings. Our nation is soaring in murder. The police don't tell us the full truth. Look how many, as I told you up in the hills here, how many youth are committing suicide week after week. The police don't dare tell the public the statistics. Why? Because we violate the word of God and the house of God. Well, I want blessing in my house. So I want to stick to the book. Everybody said amen? How many feel you got something out of this? How many think this is good gospel message? Yes, amen. All right, let's pray. Our time's up. But we did well. We did one, two, three, four, five kings tonight. Wow. For more in-depth teaching on Israel's kings, be sure to see Kevin Connor's book, Kings of the Kingdom, available from word.com.au, from amazon.com, and also in PDF format on Kevin's website, kevinconnor.org.